0: Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris, the heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful, let your hair... Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And our episode today um, is a very touching one, and it is entitled Leaving a Light On. Um, our guest today is just. Absolutely courageous for coming on the show today um, and is going to give us an insightful look um, into the other side of what happens when a loved one or someone close to you um, unfortunately takes their life. But we'll get more into that as we get deeper into the episode. As always at the beginning, Lauren, how the hell are you? Better. Better Yeah, you sound
1: great. Well the weekend was as you know pretty gruesome not just gruesome but grueling um it was exciting but you know first time shooting a television show so it was awesome yeah, yeah i'm surprised to have any voice but i'm here
0: how are you uh you know i have i've really been going through it lately you know we we make an effort to be as transparent uh, and as honest and real with our audience as we possibly can. And I've just been going through a lot personally. Um, I'm not ready to unpack it. I don't know if I'll ever be ready to unpack it um, because it involves uh, people close to me. Um, I think the silver lining in it all is that um, there's a plan in place and, and things are moving the direction as what they're intended because it's with purpose, not agenda.
1: So, well, you know how I feel. It's never about just one thing. So, you know, you know, if it feels a little, I want to say crappy, but you know, whatever it is, just know that there is a flip side, be patient and it will come.
0: Yeah, well, excitingly enough, coming into this episode, can you believe that we are almost into the first quarter of our season once we get these episodes uh, that will be airing um, in August in the can? Isn't that unbelievable? It's exciting.
1: Um, it's moved quickly, I'll say that much, yeah. But yeah. I believe it because I listened to them and uh, just, just a blessing. I'm just so excited about all that's happening.
0: Yeah, I was I was talking to Adam Bird over at uh, Heroes Media Group. Hey, Adam. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was just like, he's like, I love the I love the show. He goes, I I love the wider range of guests that you have. I love the particulars of the stories that they tell. And then of course, I was asking Linda, my spouse. So I was like, what do you think? And you know, she was very much. Um, receptive and stuff like that and and what i love and i'm curious about this i'm sure that i'm sure the listeners are too linda is not necessarily uh overly critical but she is precisely critical and very honest do do you have that same kind of relationship with brian like do you ever come with him to anything and he's just like nah i don't i don't think that's a good good call
1: Great question. We were just talking about this uh, the other night. We were on an interview together. Um, and we were asked that question pretty much a little differently, but the same um, purpose behind it. And we, to be honest, when we speak to each other's work or whatnot, even with my coaching clients, I, I'm i not one for, um, what do they call it? Constructive criticism. I'm more in tune with constructive insight. Because it's a much it's a it's a more po- it's more positive, the word itself, and it makes you feel like the person really looked at everything from all directions and it's not just some off the cuff, off the top of their head opinion. So yeah, constructive insight is how we like to call it in this constructive house. Constructive insight. Give me an yeah. example of what constructive insight looks like. Well, constructive insight, I mean, I'm more open. I'll tell you the, 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 the biggest thing about that is the person receiving it is most likely not going to have their dukes up. I mean, when somebody says, Oh, well, can I give you some constructive criticism? As soon as that criticism word lands, you know, I'm like giving them that look, you know, like, okay, here we go. But when you hear constructive insight, it's intriguing. You know, um, so I'm intrigued already. Like you, you've got, you
0: know, you've got me locked in a hundred percent because I'm really big. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm really big on words. And so, you know, some of the things I've worked very diligently on, um, in my own philosophical journey of self is I've, I've, uh, I've been very efficient in removing the word try from my vocabulary and it's amazing that once you start to move, remove a word uh, from your vocabulary um, and replace it with something that has uh, more of a specific commitment, you just start to see it everywhere. Like there's so many songs out there that say, you know, all these different kind of things. And then you hear, you know, I love movies and TV shows and you, you know, you hear it there too. And it's like, it just doesn't affect you the same way. And so, you know, I love that uh, constructive insight versus the criticism, right? Because insight is such a great word. Why did you choose that word?
1: Because it fits my need. You know, I need to know what I need to do better, you know. Mm. and So, you know, I'm not asking for an opinion, and it, it, it makes most people pause and really think about their response instead of just throwing any old thing out there. You know, opinions, some people toss them against the wall like you would spaghetti to see if it's, it's cooked. And uh, it can be a bit confusing, offensive, and a number of other, um, you know, fitting titles. So just like that try, I, I, I too have removed that word. I believe it's a word that deceives. Um, I don't even say I try my best. I do my best. Mm. Um, because try already sounds like you're not going to get there no matter what you do if you've done your best you've crossed the finish line for that particular moment in your journey
0: yeah i mean i've struggled and 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 i think it really has a lot to do with um today's guests and everything that they have went through and have continued to endeavor you know uh, suicide, obviously, um, being a suicide survivor myself, um, in some circles can be, you know, a very taboo conversation. Um, there absolutely can be a lot of judgment that comes along with it. But I think one of the things that for me personally that I want to see more of is moving away from that word prevention, because to me, suicide is the end of the line. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Everything that you do prior to that deciphers if you get to the end of the line. So we need more anxiety education. Um, we need to make it more um, comfortable and accepted and and not judged for people to seek mental health. You know, uh, Simone, I know I'm going to mess up her name, but I think it's Simone Biles. I don't know if that's correct or not. Correct. The, gym, um, the gymnast. Yeah, I mean, she caught so much criticism uh, with the Olympic piece because, you know, here she is. She's on, you know, the the biggest stage in the world, arguably for athletics. a histor- uh, historical stage in the world. And she says, you know, my mental health is worth more than gold and she's a younger girl. And so for me, I just thought that was was really, really profound. And um, I think that we need to have more of a constructive, insightful conversation about the topic of suicide versus a lot of where I've kind of seen things go. Because when you say the word prevention, right, it's not necessarily about that individual that may be having ideations or or is going to make an effort to kill themselves. It really affects the people in the aftermath because you know, there's all these questions of like, you know, what, what should I have done? Could I have done something differently? If I only would have done this, you know, and they're just left with this, this big gaping hole. Um, so as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty passionate about the subject in general. I actually speak on it. It's called life after life after suicide, killing the old me, but I'd like to have your take on it, doc. I mean, I know you went to some some pretty dark places uh, in your life, and if you and if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But what what is your take and your feeling on on the approach of what some of this messaging looks like?
1: I'm very comfortable with it. Um, anything that we've lived through, uh, we're an authority on. So. I'm comfortable because I can speak to it from my own truth. And I say this, when I speak to young people or older people or just people regarding this topic, um, I don't talk about suicide prevention. I talk about suicide consideration. That's on the Mm -hmm. front end, um, more than prevention to me, consideration, because when I considered all of the ramifications uh when i was considering it myself um it was coming to some understanding that prevented me from following through you know i didn't have any failed attempts you know like you know i took an overdose and they found me or i loaded the gun and it jammed none of that yeah like i hung myself literally and you know was was
0: fortunate enough that what i had chose to hang myself with, uh, the, the fixture that I used broke with my, you know, with my body weight. So
1: yeah. A a ski rope. But but to finish the answer. Um, so one, that's three parts for me, suicide consideration. Um, speaking more to the difference between choice and decision, because Mm. when I was considering, it was because I didn't see any forks in the road. I didn't think I had any choices, and therefore suicide was the decision. But, you know, once I understood choice isn't just right in front of me, one fork, there are multiple forks. I have to turn and look in all directions, top to bottom, bottom to top, side to side, side to side, corner to corner, and corner to corner. And every time I did, I found a fork that had choices that evoked a healthy decision in me, uh, clearly. Cause i'm still here and then the last piece for me is to remember and remind pe- people not just when they're in a dark spot but all the time that options understanding and honoring your options that is key because options are tied to gratitude you know when i when i list all the things that i'm grateful for when i and you got to know yourself enough Mm -hmm. to be honest enough to run ahead and leave things because if i don't show up on that dark day as this person i want to have left something that spoke to me resonated with me um inspired me encouraged me when i was at the top to be right there for me to walk into Mm -hmm. stumble over when things aren't so Mm -hmm. bright yeah i i i
0: love all of that i i think if if there was anything that i would add is that you know, unfortunately, I've, I've, I've been too much around it, you know, um, and, and I went to a funeral of someone that had committed suicide. And I, and I think one of the things that bothered me, and, and I can speak on this. I mean, I, I may piss some of our listeners off out there, but, you know, we put the disclaimer on the front end. It's the show's about understanding. It's not agreeing with. And, um, you know, we're here to ruffle feathers in some ways in a positive way to be insightful. But I would have liked for him to have had more of a gravity of what that eulogy looked like and, and been specific, especially with a lot of the young people that were there versus just snowing it over, you know, like like focusing on you know the 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 good aspects of things and i, I think that that is a very much uh, very much well a very big part of the problem is the fact that we don't want to address it head on we don't want to uh, address the emotional toll that it takes you know it's it's more so like we treat it the same way as someone who's fucking homeless. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they got a problem and, you know, we want to be able to help fix it. So, you know, give us money so we can be able to prevent this or that. And the reality is, I made the choice.
1: Well, Jax, yeah, not, not to cut you off, but I will say this too because this is a big piece. Um, because sure. you're married to a therapist and our entire sure. world gets turned Topsy Turvy when everything has to stop because he's court mandated when he thinks someone is going to take their own life. And what I've learned just from him running around like a chicken with no head when this happens um, is that there are a lot of people, a lot of us, who abuse, um, mm-hmm. I know that's a weird way to look at it, but there are a lot of I people- I love that though, man, keep it they, coming. Well, keep it they coming. abuse the people around them by crying wolf. You know, I mean, it's a very manipulative space or has the potential therein to be. And mm-hmm. um, I never knew that people operated from that standpoint until I married a therapist. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was always what I thought was my last choice. That's what I always mm-hmm. thought. But there are people who, who do, well, I'm just going to kill myself. You leave me mm-hmm. and that's it. I'm going to kill myself. And they say it so often that when it's true and there, it is a cry for help, most people that could help them don't take it seriously. Mm,
0: it? I love that. <laughs> so We got to go to commercial break, but yeah. when we come back, we will, we will be able to talk to a man that is, uh, he, he's just a great man and you'll see why. Um, and, you know, he's agreed to come on today. His son committed suicide. And uh, it's going to be really great to get a perspective from a dad back in five right after these messages. Don't go away hey y'all this is cowboy jacks i just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here your product your service your message let's ride hey y'all uh this is cowboy jacks and i'm with my good friend dr Lauren michaels harris and you're listening to the episode leaving a light on Lauren, I know you've got a a short uh, introduction for our guests today, so why don't you give the
1: audience a little ditty? Yeah, I will. Now, before I go into the bio, Jack Dempsey, wasn't that like a baseball player or something? A very famous boxer. Boxer. There it is. I was like, am I crazy? I know this name. Okay. Well, this is Jack Dempsey. And uh, just looking at his bio, it's clear that he may not be a boxer, but he's gone a few rounds. He's a retired lawyer, an avid historian, editor, author, and most importantly, a man of faith he's married to the love of his life and has been for 48 years now together they live in the beautiful state my home state uh, of michigan this is where jack was born their daughter and army son-in-law have two wonderful precious children son michael is the one we've been we're going to talk about today who died in 2013 after diplomatic service at an fob in afghanistan so welcome to the show mr dempsey
0: yeah, I
1: appreciate uh, being here.
0: Uh, how are you today, Jack? How's everything going up there in the beautiful what's it called God's country up there? Right, it's the Great Lakes
2: State, the Water Winter Wonderland.
0: Uh, I can give you many more
2: um, Wolverine I have, I State, Wolverine Spartan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things
1: are things are good. That's good. Um, wait, so Jack, if you no, wait, 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 I'm from Michigan. I gotta know. We might have been. Uh, named. Here. What what town are you from?
2: I was born in Detroit, I grew up in Redford Township, and then uh, my real formative years in Dearborn.
1: Oh, and where is it? Dearborn, where you're at today? No, I'm in Plymouth, Plymouth Township. All right. Okay, great. I'm from. Now,
0: over, now where where were you? Where were you born?
1: Lawrence? I was was actually born in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Um, You blink and you miss it. It's a village. Um, But, you know, raised in Niles. Graduated from Niles High School, which is just a stone's throw from Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. So, southwestern Michigan. That's what they call it. That's where I wanted to go to. uh law school actually
0: that was one of my my big dreams was to go to law school at, at Notre Dame but um, so Jack you were listening to Lauren and I backstage before we brought you on and uh, you know we kind of touched on uh, just just a few pulse points um, what were your thoughts on where we were going with that conversation and and would like for you to weigh in um, from your personal experience as as being a dad and and having to navigate uh, some of these very intense circumstances, wh- where do you think our headspace was at, or or what's your thoughts on where we were going with some of that?
2: I think you both have some interesting perspectives on it. Um, my own is that it's hard to, hard to comprehend how someone gets to such a desperate point. But I think what you've asked me to to talk about is the aftermath, Uh, those who are left behind. Yeah, And it's almost nine years now. um, when, When we went through grief counseling, one of the things that was pitched was there's no timetable, I remember someone saying, you know, it could be it could be longer than a year even before you kind of get back to to normal. In a real sense, you never do. You're you're with it every day. The the whole does
0: it feel like does it feel like like yes, just yesterday? No,
2: it doesn't really feel like yesterday. But um, you go through the same set of emotions, the same questions. Um, guilt how could I have done something different how could I have been better Um, there was a metaphor that I read in a book and it was for those who are military very I'm sure pointed Um, I'm a leader of a squad we're crossing no man's land I'm responsible for my 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 troops I turn around and look and I see one of my squad is down he's been hit and all of the emotion that comes with that. And that's that's representative, I think, of how my guilt continues just as strong, if not stronger, nine years later. The hole never closes. Um, there's always the wound. Because when you love someone and you lose them, um, you, you your mind, your heart can't fully grasp it, when it's in this kind of circumstance. A parent should never lose a child. Um, It's just not natural. Children bury their parents, not the other way around. But in this case, he was a wonderful kid. He was a great man. He was a loving person, but he ended up in a perfect storm that he could not get out of.
0: I, you know, I, I, I wanna be sensitive, but but I, I also want to to be able for our listeners to really understand, especially someone that may be in a similar position. I, I wanna know you said you mentioned something about the hole, right? What what goes on in inside of that hole and how much does it really affect your daily life? Uh, you know, I know well, obviously it's been you know nine years, but I mean I, I want to know about those those critical moments where that hole was just at at critical mass and what was going on in, inside of that hole.
2: Well, you think about how old they would be at this stage in their life, and would they have kids would would What would his wife be like? What would we be able to do? I miss the the touching, the the hugging, the sharing of thoughts about um, things in the city of Detroit and world affairs. And he was just a brilliant mind with tremendous uh, things to add. He did a lot in his life, 33 years of contributing to better this world, but um, there was much more that could have been produced by that life, and so there's just there's just an absence. There's an empty chair that's always there at the end of the table, and it's just um, sometimes very raw. Um, when I visit his his uh, place of of interment, sometimes I'm my emotions are not um, torn up. But there are times when all I can do is just sob because if you do love someone and they are no longer there, you just cannot cannot grasp it. You can't um you can't really accept it. Um you obviously have to. You have to keep going, but there's a part of you that just will will not grasp and and figure out why and how.
1: and Yeah. Um, I, I want to just speak up here because, you know, we had a suicide in our family right at the onslaught of the two weeks after COVID hit. My sister's husband took his life. And mm, the thing that we talk about as a family, and I think this is what Jack was saying, too, because when you asked him what that hole was like, in my mind, I said, well, he answered that. Um, it's that never ending loop. It's like all those things that he mentioned. Um, you, you They say it gets better, but it's not just when you're, people think that it's hard when you're like, oh, it's their birthday. Or, oh, wouldn't he have liked to have seen this? I wonder what he would have thought of that. It's not just that. It's when we have our own um, moments of celebration. And then you go, you I've literally picked up the phone to call my brother-in-law and then remembered. He's not here anymore. There is a void and emptiness that is in this world, in this universe that nothing can replace because we are all individuals. And so that is the thing for me. And I find it so amazing still today how, I mean, and, and little things, little nuances, for instance, voicemails that I still have with his voice, how I'm tempted to listen. But then I go, why are you doing this? Um, The thing that you spoke about, Jack, this was the thing we all went to. And I believe some of us still do today. And that was when you said, what did I miss? What could I have done better? We always think, because I was doing that, listening to, you know, when he was reaching out for help. And, you know, now I hear things in his voice on the voicemail that I didn't when I was trying to go through the car wash, um, talk on the phone and listen to him all at the same time. So I personally, one of the things that I, I find now is that when somebody tells me they're going through something as ludicrous as it may sound to me, I know that if it's real to them, then that makes it completely real, completely. So um, it, it's I get it, Jack, I really do.
2: If I could respond to that, Dr. Harris, and sure. first I'm very sorry for your loss, your family's loss, um, but okay. I think you, you've, you've said some very powerful things there. Um, there's got to be this elimination of the stigma of talking about um, what's going on inside a person. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times if not many, all the time, it's a biochemical thing. You know, it's it's okay to talk about how I have a headache or I, I, my stomach hurts or something, but when my heart hurts, my head hurts, my brain hurts, somehow that's not something we're able to talk about um, traditionally. And for, for anyone who's in this situation, um, what I hope they don't think that they will grasp is this false notion that it's gonna be better if I'm not around. That is the opposite of the truth. Um, You are so valuable, your life is precious, and it's not going to be better. It's never gonna be better for others to have you missing. So that kind of thing has to be, I think, grasped by people that I know are in a difficult spot. And it, but but that should not be part of it. That should not um, be a reality uh, for someone who's in this this difficult spot. Sure. sure.
0: I also I also want to touch on the fact that you know you're a dad. Uh, your your granddad and and your husband, and you're also a family member and friend. You know, and so I, I want the listeners to understand um, if if you feel uh, the burden of of what that means to be, you know, the the head of the family, right? Or or you know, in a lot of ways, the spokesperson. Like, what have you watched your your family and friends? go through as well and you to kind of be the, you know, the the go-to guy for for answers that, that you're navigating.
2: What it's like is another degree of, of guilt and failure because you don't have the tools, the training, the experience, I'm not sure anybody does to be able to offer ideas and solutions to this issue, um, what what you end up is trying to be there to be responsive, I, I think. Um, it, it It's like to me, I've never been in the military, but I've done a lot of studying and it's like the officer in charge of a, a unit, those people are your responsibility. And when something bad happens, um, it's, it's at your door, no matter what. Even if you thought you did everything you should have. In my case, I, I don't. So it compounds itself. The only way I've been able to function is because of my faith in the Lord. And the, the idea that this is not all there is. There's something beyond this. I'm going to see Michael again. I'm confident of that. Um, I know he's in a better place, but for those who are left behind, um, the trauma is something that continues.
1: You know, I'm uh, you. You were your timing was impeccable, uh, Mr. Dempsey, on the on the piece you just threw out there um, about faith. Because I I'd gone back to your bio and I noticed that. You know, with your list of accomplishments in your life, uh, an attorney, author, and so on and so forth, you purposely said, and most importantly, a man of faith. And I know that was a big issue in our family when my brother-in-law, Joe, took his life. Um, instantly, there were people like, well, you know, he can't. We can't have a service in our church. Um, he that is, Some people referred to it as the impardonable sin. Um, and then when I started doing, and I always believed that all my life, and I was raised in the church. And I thought that that was, and then when I went looking, no matter what version of the Bible I looked at, I never once found anything that said anything about suicide in in. You know just straight on there's murder torture of children and animals da, 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 da. T- tell me did you go through anything what was that like that conversation that piece um when we come back if y'all give you a moment to think about that because it's a pretty deep subject um all of this is but uh for families of faith, even more so. So that and more. We're gonna come back, Jax, right? In just a couple minutes. minutes. Uh, right. so- we'll be back in five with Jack. Five and- minutes. Okay, so um, you guys think about this and we'll be back. Don't go away.
0: Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the Heartbeat and Relationship Conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey Uh, y'all. There's a silence, uh, a comfortable silence in the room today between uh, Dr. Harris, myself, and and Jack Dempsey. I know sometimes uh, on License for Love um, we have some funny episodes, but we've always promised you that sometimes you'll laugh, sometimes you'll cry, sometimes you'll say what the fuck. Like it's you know it's and today's episode is is really hitting home. Uh, because we're talking with Jack Dempsey on this episode called Leaving a Light On. And before the break, uh, Dr. Harris touched on something that I absolutely want to hear from someone who is a historian, a lawyer, and you know, uh, a declared man of faith whose son, uh, Michael, had committed suicide. So so Jack, I'm, I'm very curious uh, where Dr. Harris was going with this because this was one of those things that I was talking about at the top of the hour that it seems we seem to pussyfoot around or, or we don't seem to address head on. So, so what are your thoughts on that?
2: I have spent a lot of time studying, thinking, and praying about this, but from the get-go, um, because of the fundamental belief conviction in in my heart that God's all about grace and forgiveness, and that if there is judgment, it's His judgment, it's not my judgment. From the from the beginning of this experience, I am absolutely convinced that Michael is with the Lord. I am not I'm not to judge. That's a clear and unmistakable uh, principle in the New Testament. Uh, I'm not going to condemn anybody. That's not my my role. I'm to be a servant. and when I get to the end of my life, um, one of the scriptures says Luke 17:10, Um, I'm supposed to simply say, I've done my duty. That's it. I'm not beyond that role of a servant. So for people who make comments like that and statements and for doctrines that um, rate one sin over another, I just think that's not consistent with the message of the word. And well,
0: it's, it spills more into media as well, right? Like there's there's TV shows that have had like certain scenes, um, especially related with uh, you know Catholicism and some of the things that you know they've shown in movies and just the drama that they've created around this to say that you know if you know I'm just straightforward. If you kill yourself, you know you go to hell. It's like the the unforgivable sin. I am not a big Bible guy. Uh, I would say that I am faith oriented, but I'm not as well versed as you in the doc. But from what I found in my research, uh, from the good old boy network, uh, blasphemy is really considered to be the only, uh, unforgivable sin because it is supposed to be postured towards basically denouncing, um, your creator, um, And even then, you know, if you want to get into all the theological discussion, which I don't necessarily want to do, I just wanted to make that point that this show is about judging a book and not judging a book by its cover. And so I really find that very insightful from you and the doctor to say, hey, you know what, maybe there's another position that we could look at besides literally scaring the hell out of people away from suicide. Right. Because I, I think that that's where that that propaganda, for lack of a better phrase, you know, uh, really hopes to to motivate. Um, but today's focus is is on the aftermath of that. Right. So walk me through. Judge, um,
1: yeah. Go ahead. Doc. Say one last thing about this. Um, Absolutely. Just so there's not like a hangnail on this particular piece um, as far as Christianity or faith, you know, some people do believe that all who commit suicide, of course, they say go immediately to hell. But, you know, the Bible actually never says if this is the case, it, it is completely silent on the issue. And, you know, think about it. God probably did not address it in black and white and for good reason. I mean, think about it. If we knew that we would still go to heaven, if we killed ourselves, there'd probably be a whole bunch more uh, suicides than there are taking place. And if we knew that all who killed themselves were automatically banished to hell, no matter what their situation, it may be too much for all of us, especially the grief-stricken family and friends to bear. So as far as murder and suicide are, you know, um, being unpardonable, I, in the Bible, what I found, the only unforgivable sin is rejecting Christ, and that's in Mark, So, or blaspheming, like you said, the Holy Spirit also in Mark. So I just say that, and people get out there and find what resonates within your spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Don't just take what the person next door or across the street, you'll know the truth, like that bell I rang right there. It has a ring to it, and it has it for a reason. For these things, so it's not about things that we can never prove, it is about the things that we can, and that is all the things that lead up to whatever it is that we're talking about. So, I'm grateful for this conversation, and Jack, I'm so grateful uh, for your courage to come here today. It's never going to get easy, um, but it can become easier for someone else through these conversations. So, where are you going to head next, Jack?
0: So, I uh, where I want to head next, Jack is is we we've talked about um, the the ramifications in in some respects, but I want our audience to also understand that there are some ramifications that are are very serious, life-threatening um, for instance, one in six of someone that's close to someone that, commit suicide can become suicidal for the very reasons that you talked about, the situational depression, the constant pondering, the anxiety, and if they have any kind of mental health issue of their own, that can be compounded. Um, You don't necessarily have to answer this question if you don't feel comfortable, but um, at any point in time after this happened, did you feel that you might be one in in six or did you feel like anyone in your family was just so grief stricken um at that time that they might be the one in six and if so and if you feel comfortable answering that for our audience um how did you navigate that
2: i can speak about myself i never i've never felt that i did have a very low period in high school but I never even thought of doing something like this. Um, but I did have what I'll call a moment of disassociation. Uh, it was only 60 seconds, I'd say. I It I may, may sound strange to people, but I almost, I, I do believe. I felt that God gave that to me to help me try to understand what it's like for people who experience this this, uh, terrible pit. And for those 60 seconds, I could grasp how awful it must be to be between a rock and a hard place. Um, I can understand how people would be driven to this situation after having this experience with a friend or a family member, because, like I said earlier, the the effect on your your body chemistry, um, not sleeping, not eating well, all the thoughts that you have can can drive you off kilter yourself. But it didn't happen for me, and I again, I it's only because of the relationship I have with with the Lord that I'm even able to talk to you today. That's that's it, it's not because of me, it's because of
0: mm-hmm. that power in my life. Mm-hmm. That's insanely powerful. So I'd, I'd like to switch gears now. Um, you know, I think we've dug pretty deep and got got the message uh, across and the doctor has been so candid in, in sharing some of his own personal experiences. So your family literally took um, the singular most worst tragedy that I think any family could ever face and literally converted that into a way to provide a help up, not a handout. Um, and you started a foundation. What is the name of the foundation, the mission, and, and what have you guys been uh, doing uh, to, to be able to, to aid in this, um, sure. in the movement of people? Yeah.
2: Well, well, Michael had saved a, a lot of money. He was, he was a great, great kid. Like I said, we could have just donated that, but we were inspired to create the Michael Cameron Dempsey Fund. And so every year, you know, thanks to tax laws and so forth, we, we our family decides that we have to give a certain amount of money and who do we give that to? They're for causes that represent the things that he was about. Um, you know, urban improvement, um, natural resource conservation, um, helping veterans and those who are in foreign service like he was, he didn't pack a weapon. He was protected by US uh, armed forces. And I'm so grateful for what those people do and continue to do. So we are able to carry on his legacy, nothing like if he was still here, but it's a representative um, effort to carry his name forward and to do good, some good, like he would have continued to do if, if he was here. So we've been able to help a number of causes, and it's just a great, rewarding thing to think we do that on his behalf.
1: Mm. Can I ask a question? Um, and I don't even know if there, if you can answer this, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway, because we hear, you know, prior military members and current military members, we you know the the two 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 and all the things. So many people uh, with foundations and things to speak to the the epidemic, if you will, of. PTSD related suicides by military members and ex members. And I just wondered, taking off the uniform and just stripping it down to the boy, the one that you saw the moment he got here, the one that you saw take his first steps and speak his first words and go to school that very first day, that person, that essence is what I'm getting at. Do you feel that there was a difference in Michael's essence prior to military service as opposed to once he got in and then things started to change, leading to whatever you know led to this happening. How do you feel, have you looked at that? Have you tried to peel that onion, so to speak?
2: Yeah, there's no question, Dr. Harris, that, that what he went through, the trauma, the exposure to danger, uh, the guilt from someone um, kind of taking his place on a mission, Mm-hmm. all traumatized him and left him, well, I'll just say off balance. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and he was in, he, he worked for a federal agency that puts people in dangerous spots but didn't appreciate um, that that's the fact. And so we have been working with a team of people to try to impress that upon that agency and others associated with it so that they will take care of their people when they're put in a difficult, harmful situation and diplomats do not carry weapons. Um, So they have no tools to defend themselves. And that's an even greater uh, situation of need for people to care for and be sensitive to the needs, mental health needs, emotional health needs of those people.
1: See, and that's so awesome. Last piece from me. And because you were you're, you know, a lawyer. So the law, you know, you, you have it, you know it in and out. How do you feel? And Jack, we've said this here before when this topic has come up. I really think that because when I went to the recruiting station, they told me a lot about what I could look forward to, but they never threw those numbers out there about this thing with PTSD, this thing with suicide and any of that. I just feel like they need, there should be some, just some full disclosure when young people are making that decision. Cause I might already come in. I went in with trauma from 22 foster homes, tons of abuse. Luckily. You know, I didn't see any fighting or anything, or I might have been my own casualty. So I just wonder, how do you feel about change, or should there one day be a law or something that helps protect people from the unknown, such as this?
2: I think you're heading in a very um, insightful direction, and I would say, hopefully, as we continue to make progress with uh, DNA uh, um, mapping, that we'll be able to evaluate people down the road and say, well, Jack Dempsey, you don't have the makeup genetically to serve on a front line. You just don't have it. But the person X next to you, they will be able to do that. So let's put you in a different line where you can make a contribution. But sorry, you're not really genetically capable of doing that. I hope we get to that point because I think that's a real... Um, that would be a real step forward. I agree.
0: I agree. Thank you. I, I, I Yeah. I mean, we, we have to go, um, but Jack, I, I want to thank you so much. Number one, for being transparent. Number two, for opening up your heart. Uh, number three, uh, being a, a great ambassador of your faith and, and also not just taking this tragedy and navigating it on your own, but, providing a foundation um, that is in the solutions game on whatever front and how those pieces align. Before we get out of here, um, I just want to know what would you say to someone right now outside of the traditional things that, that have been said, there's plenty of labels out there and everything else, but you as a dad, what would be the one thing that you would say to someone that is listening to this right now that either has ideations or is absolutely committed to killing themselves. What would you say to them as a dad?
2: I would say grab the person closest to you, sit them down and say, I have something to talk to you about. It's going to be really hard for you and for me, but because I know you love me, Um, I think you can help me get past this.
0: Thank you, Jack. We'll be back in five with our final thoughts with the doctor and I. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the Heartbeat and Relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris, and you have been listening to the episode called leaving a light on doc. I, as I I mean, as a dad, (laughs) as a, as a, as a guy that, that is a, a, a veteran, a suicide survivor and has a son that's in the military right now, this couldn't have hit any closer to home, uh, for me. So, I mean, I, I have so much that I want to say, we just don't have enough time, but I really would like to get your thoughts. Um, and, and from your perspective of, of what happened
1: today. Oh my goodness. Jack Dempsey, Jack Dempsey, Jack Dempsey. Let me tell you what I learned today from our guest that, through all of the conversations I've had over the years about this subject, never felt this until today. The the amount of courage that it takes to form every syllable mm-hmm. that he had to push together to create every word within every sentence and paragraph to share this mm-hmm. story. It was, I had a moment there at the end, I had to turn my back. Um, just out of an overwhelming sense of gratitude because what happened was he took me someplace i never knew existed when i was making that same that choice when i was deciding which path i would take live or not live and so i'm just encouraging everyone that hears this keep the promises close, keep the truth even closer. And when I say the promises, I always say to the young people in my family and my friends, when I hear someone say, oh, it's just too much, it's too hard. I, that, that word right there, I, in my book, I call it, the John, I refer to it as the John Wayne Gacy of dreams, a serial killer, T-O-O, take it out, people, take out two and replace it with so, you know, it's so much, it's so difficult. That's, that can be true. God told us he would never put us through more than we could handle. And so therefore, too, T-O-O, is from the father of lies, in my opinion. And so I just want to say, you know, keep, keep it simple. You don't have to be able to, you know, talk to someone as if you were a PhD therapist or something. You just have to speak to someone from a place of truth and togetherness. And when, see, the thing is, these, every time I wanted to, I tried to commit suicide, it was because I let the liar convince me, no matter where I was and who I was really with or not, that I was alone. We can never let our feelings convince us that we are all alone. That is why the other promise says two or more, get to someone as soon as you can. And just remember this, everybody, we cannot text everything you cannot email everything because written words don't have that sound, that ring that the truth brings when you hear it come out of someone's mouth. You know. You know when something is off. Wait a minute. That is not you. Yeah. You know. And I- so it's these kinds of things, Jack. That's it. I'm just, ooh. So it just touches my spirit in such a way.
0: Yeah. i I'm going to hit y'all a lot harder with my final thoughts. And, and that's why I love the fact that we're the diversity duo um, because the doctor is just so insightful and so philosophical and spiritual and, and wants to to lift up your soul. Whereas too, I'm just going to hit you in the face with it. Listen to that father's tone of voice when he talks about his son Listen to that father's tone of voice when he talks about the absence that's in his life. And for all of you that are listening to this, because the whole purpose of this is do we judge a book by its cover or not? Every single person that you pass judgment on or that you criticize, no matter what their sexuality is, no matter what their religion is, no matter what their political preference is, you are setting that person up for fucking failure, period. And not only are you setting them up for failure, but you're setting their family up for failure. This was only through one lens today, folks, one lens of a vast world of over 310 million Americans where we have someone committing suicide every 60 seconds in this country. It's, it's, it's not just about uh, the PTSD component. It's not just soldiers and UN workers and people that are involved in in conflicts. This is something that affects us all in so many different ways. And the first thing, the most important thing that you can do when you listen to this episode is listen at the vacancy in that man's voice and then make that choice of whether or not you want to bully somebody because of the fact that they look different than you or they wear something different than you. You know, I just saw this thing uh on on the internet before I got on today. Uh Brad Pitt is catching a bunch of shit from certain people because he wore a dress to a premiere of something. You know, and and there was a moment for me where I was just like I catch shit because I wear my hat from people. You know what I'm saying and it's like whether it's my hat or someone's dress or whatever at the end of the day, it's really none of your fucking business, but where it damages that person, where, where it creates and makes it your business is when you're that tipping point. You're that one penny that the jar falls over. You're that one drop of water that breaks the whole entire dam. We have a responsibility to each other in this country to address mental health in our humanity first. And I think that when we get to a point of where we stop judging people and we can do what that father said and grab the person closest to you and sit down and have a conversation, that is when suicide no longer becomes an answer.
1: Nicely stated and uh Final thought? Yeah, final thought for me. I'm going to say his name because I think that's important because we can never forget. So I'll say Michael Dempsey and to the futures, the people who out there that will, you know, be caressed and courted by the lies that say to us, do the world a favor, kill yourself. I heard it many times. Do everyone around you a favor and just take, take care of this now. Get out of here. Nobody needs you. Remember this. Never settle for anything less than the true essence of your, your, your vision, of your purpose. Because anything less means absolutely nothing. But thank goodness, you know, the survivors, the people like Jack Dempsey here today, they get out there and they make sure that Michael's legacy means something, the foundations, the interviews, and those talks and those thoughts and those prayers that they have when no one in the world is looking. So I just say, take that with you, everyone, and be encouraged. And don't wait until something like this knocks on your door before it begins to matter. Everything we mean becomes meaningful somewhere in this universe. So let's have this conversation more than not. And when we have it, Make sure you mean it. Don't talk about this over burgers and as you're surfing or whatever. Sit down, heart to heart, knee to knee, soul to soul. That's all I got.
0: Thank you, Doc. My final thoughts are this. Humanity over opinion. Purpose over agenda. And ultimately, seek some sort of help. I don't care if it's in the woo-woo. You know, we have an amazing guest coming on It's going to be Talking about holistic medicine and, and the effects of that in combination with Western modern day medicine, um, or we we uh, we may have already had that guest. Um, but also, I can tell you as a suicide survivor that nobody is bulletproof. the The day that I went to kill myself was an impulse decision. I was an overachiever. I was doing well in everything. I, I hadn't even contemplated it. And I went upstairs and I made an effort to hang myself. So um, so absolutely uh, keep, keep that in mind, that you're not bulletproof, stay self-aware. Most importantly, make sure that above and beyond anything that you realize that your life is here for a purpose and you have a being. Until next time, I'm Cowboy Jax with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris. And you're listening to License for Love, The Heartbeat in Relationship Conversation. See you next time. See you next time, bye-bye. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels-Harris, The Heartbeat in Relationship Conversation.